Have you ever wondered why exactly it is that things usually sound better at home than they do on stage, in auditions, or even in lessons? It's easy to chalk it up to nerves or assume that you just have to practice more or get more performance experience. And sure, those things certainly are part of the puzzle, but a lot of times that's not really the true root cause. If you've been confused by the inconsistency of your performances, I put together a free four-minute quiz called the Mental Skills Audit, which will help you pinpoint your mental strengths and weaknesses and figure out what exactly to adjust and tweak in your preparation for more consistently optimal performances. You can take the Mental Skills Audit online at bulletproofmusician.com MSA. That's MSA for Mental Skills Audit. And again, it's 100% free, and it'll take just four minutes to get your results emailed to you as a PDF. This is Noah Kageyama, and you're listening to the Bulletproof Musician Podcast. Every Sunday morning, we'll take a look at a new research-based tip or technique to help you practice more effectively or perform better under pressure. And on the first Sunday of every month, I'll have a guest from the music, sport, or research world who will share their insights on how we can all be a little more awesome in the practice room and on stage. Have you ever gotten a few days away from a recital or audition, and even if you didn't yet feel 100% ready, the anticipation and worry got to be so intense that you wished you could just play right that second and get it over with already? Where it's like the anticipation was worse than the stress of the actual event itself? Kind of like how in the slap bet storyline in How I Met Your Mother, Barney was more distressed by not knowing when he would be slapped than by the slaps themselves? One of the reasons why this can happen is something known as perseveration cognition. This is where we mentally time travel into the future and get sucked into a loop of worrying about the negative things that could happen, like embarrassing memory slips, missed shifts, chipped notes, and so on. Or we time travel into the past and ruminate and obsess about moments that make us feel pretty crappy, like replaying our screw-up in orchestra over and over in our heads and wondering if that's why the conductor seemed kind of annoyed. Aside from being a real downer to think about, these stressful thoughts also tend to activate the body's stress response, which not only makes you feel physically stressed on top of everything else, but this type of thinking tends to prolong the physical stress response too, keeping you feeling stressed for longer periods of time. The obvious advice would be to just stop doing that, but usually it's not quite that easy. So whether it's an upcoming audition, going back to in-person school or work, or the latest scary thing that has popped into your newsfeed, what can we do to get our brain to worry and ruminate a little bit less? There are actually quite a lot of studies out there on the phenomenon of worry and rumination, and an awful lot of strategies aimed at reducing worry and rumination as well. But which ones actually work? A team of researchers set out to weed through all of these studies and see if they could answer that question to identify the strategies that not only helped to reduce worry and rumination, but were associated with the most positive impact on the person's health or health behaviors as well. Things like substance use, eating unhealthily, smoking, poor sleep, and so on. So what did they find? Well, out of 10,703 studies related to worry and rumination, 36 met the researchers' criteria. 
as in participants were randomly assigned, there was a control group, there were measures of worry and rumination, and there was also some assessment of health outcomes or behaviors. And then across these 36 studies, the researchers further identified seven main strategies that were not only effective in reducing worry and rumination, but seemed to contribute to healthier habits too. These strategies included things like action planning, like techniques for managing worry and rumination more effectively, also included expressive writing, which is where you get your stress and anxiety out on paper rather than keeping it on a loop in your head. Also included psychological detachment strategies, like finding ways of leaving work at work or creating some distance from situations or thoughts that stress you out. Another strategy was mindfulness and relaxation, as in ways of being more present and engaged in the current moment. There was also cognitive behavioral therapy and acceptance and commitment therapy, which involve learning to change negative or unhelpful thought patterns and finding ways of navigating through stressful times more effectively. There were also strategies related to stress management and pain management, elements of which can actually be pulled from many of the other strategies already mentioned. So what might these strategies actually look like in action? Well, the researchers had a few suggestions, and these are in no particular order because the strategies were all about the same in terms of effectiveness. There wasn't one that was more effective than the others. One strategy is to create a worry plan. So if your goal is to spend less time worrying, it might sound kind of backwards to carve out some worry time on your calendar, but research suggests that batching your worries or creating a worry budget, as it were, where you give yourself specific blocks of time to worry during the day can actually help to reduce the time and energy spent worrying throughout the rest of your day. Another strategy you could try is to write your worries down. And I know that writing down the things that are stressing you out may also seem like a backward strategy, because doesn't that mean you're spending more time focusing on the things that are making you feel crummy? Yes, but here too, studies have found that getting our worries onto paper can have some surprising effects on mood, anxiety, physical health, and even performance. Of course, at some point, you do want to do the thing that sounds obvious and take a break from the thoughts and situations that are stressing you out like finding a way to leave your audition rep in the practice room and not allow it to follow you out to dinner with your family or friends, or making sure your passive-aggressive colleague at work doesn't continue to stay in your head for the remainder of the evening. This is often easier said than done, but whether it's meeting up with a friend, doing some knitting, or adding a 24-hour block of absolutely no practicing allowed time into your calendar, which my teacher once gave me permission to do, even though it totally stressed my mom out, Studies do suggest that sometimes we can't afford not to do the things that we feel we don't have time for. Another strategy to try is to control the controllables. It can be easy to obsess about things that we don't have direct control over, or get sucked into our thinking loops and try to fight the way we're feeling. But much like the mindset captured by the Alcoholics Anonymous serenity prayer, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Coaches, athletes, and psychologists alike have found that it can be helpful to focus relentlessly only on those things we have control over, and even aim to create some distance from our thoughts so we can focus more effectively on the task at hand and worry less about what could or has happened before. Which speaks to the idea or strategy of mindfulness and getting better at not just being in the present, but also being less judgy. 
And if you're wondering, yes, that actually is apparently a legit word now. I looked it up. Anyhow, there are a ton of ways to practice mindfulness and get better at interrupting the worry rumination cycle, like breathing exercises or meditation. But one quick and easy technique is the 54321 technique, which basically involves paying attention to your immediate surroundings to identify five things you can see, four things you can touch or feel, three things you can hear, two things you can smell, and one thing you can taste. Another strategy is to get moving and be active. So whether it's an easy run on concert days, or some pre-audition yoga in your hotel room, or maybe an awe walk before your morning practice session, the researchers note that being more physically active is another important strategy to keep handy in your toolbox as well. It's important to note that only two of the studies involved participants who were diagnosed with an anxiety disorder, so the degree of worry or rumination that the majority of participants were experiencing may not have risen quite to the level that someone with generalized anxiety disorder, for instance, might be experiencing. And even if we're talking about more moderate levels of worry or rumination, keep in mind that these strategies are probably not going to stop 100% of your worry or rumination all the time and different people will have different experiences of each of those strategies too. But hopefully it helps to know that there are some tools out there that can help you escape the worry and rumination spiral, and give you some ideas on what to experiment with, so that whether it's the music or the life part of your life, it doesn't feel quite as much like your Barney waiting on pins and needles for the next slap to occur. You can find links to this week's study and other resources at bulletproofmusician.com blog. And if you found the episode helpful, please share it with a friend or practice buddy who you think might also enjoy experimenting with this during the coming week. Mm-hmm.